Welcome to Owen and Baru's Barbecue. We're back after a long hiatus, and we have grilled up some casual surface with our chefs here tonight. We've got Nick. Hello there. <laughs> as well as Chris. Good evening. Myself, I'm Matt, and we are going to talk about Solo, a Star Wars story. I don't know where we should begin. Kind of. Perhaps uh, as, as Chris would like to. Our, our initial reactions, because truth be told, we haven't talked about it. So aside from um, maybe Nick, you know, seeing maybe a few comments I may have, you know, put on the Facebook group. Other than yeah. that, we don't really know what we think of the movie. I'll be honest with you. I haven't talked to anybody about it yet. Yeah. Nor um, I, except for my so sister. I think I saw it. When, when did I see it? I think maybe it was uh, Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember what it was. Um, so this is actually my first time at even talking about the movie. Um, so I guess, I guess I'll go first about that. Go for it. Spit take. My initial, um, review of the movie was, yeah, I had fun. It was pretty good. Decent time. I enjoyed the popcorn. Was it a Star Wars movie? I don't know. Nick, I know you are probably the grilliest of the grills. You, yeah. you, you actually even called this a discussion, not even a review. So, what, uh, what say? Oh, you? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I don't want to get into my full on. Sure. How about just your initial initial take, and not necessarily? Yeah, spit take, spit takes. So let's go. Okay. So I basically, when it was on, I went kind of exactly like Chris. I was like. You know, I was entertained. Most people that have asked me, I said, like, you won't hate it. Like, it's it's entertaining. But I agree with Chris. Like, is it a Star Wars story? Uh, so I gave it, like, a, a, a B-. minus. Okay. But I, enjoy, but I enjoyed it more than Force Awakens and Last Jedi. So. Mm, interesting. Which that didn't take much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, my my initial uh, thoughts leaving uh, the theater. There's a lot to digest there. I kept going over certain scenes, but mainly breaking it down into like, oh, this was kind of like two heists, and um, I uh, I liked it, but I didn't love it initially. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate enough that uh, right after we saw it, my my family, we saw it together in the morning. We, we actually drove for about three hours. So we had this time afterwards where we trapped in the car and we can kind of, we, we were able to kind of talk about it and, and break it down. And I'll give my wife's initial reaction when I asked her and I thought it was a pretty good take. She said, yeah, it was good, but did we need it? Yeah. That's actually the perfect sentence for it. Yeah. And I was like, Whoa, <clears throat> My wife laying down some Star Wars shade, you know. I was like, I was kind of surprised. Well, that was my disappointment. Disappointment with the film. I mean, I, I still, like I said, I was entertained. I mean, I'm glad they made it, I guess. But then again, that was my and my one sense review was it's a good film, but ultimately forgettable. And that's it made me sad about it because I was like, you don't need this film f at all, really, to enjoy other films or. I'll tell you why they need this film. They need this film to set up how they're going to make money on Star Wars. <laughs> like, um, I mean, you think about it. So, like, you look at um, 
you know, what's his what, what are those guys that they sign on for the three extra movies there? Um, the, oh, who, the, the actors, the actual the, actors. No, no, the directors. They signed on to do three more Star Wars flicks. I can't, I can't remember who they are. Oh, oh, Ryan Johnson. Yeah. 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 Thank you. So he signed on to do how many more? Like three, right? Yeah, he got his own trilogy, which they have not announced like what time or what they're going to be about. Well, um, I think they kind of set it up (laughs) with this, right? So, I mean, I I think there's a there's a whole boatload of story that could happen and unfold after Solo, pre and or parallel, A New Hope. Yeah, but like I, I I agree that they left it in a ambiguous way that you could make a sequel to this, but I would just want one. I think it would be you could do you could go in different routes with it. I, I would think it would be a perfect fit for a Kenobi film, actually, not a solo film. So the, that, I could I agree. I I totally agree. I think it could yeah. be a good good um before we uh, gateway before we segue deeper into the the what could be's. Um, I just want to kind of. Make sure that because we've actually stayed pretty spoiler free up to this point, I would say. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, are we going to throw, throw that out the window? Well, I just wanted to let like listeners know, like if they've listened this far, I think I think now we can kind of <laughs> start to say, okay, <laughs> two uh, minutes in, listen, listener, beware, <laughs> because the the spoilers are going to, to listener start. beware because we don't care and we are going to talk about this movie. Would you would you recommend the the Star Wars fan to go see this movie? Yes, I would. I, I I mean, at the end of the day, I enjoyed it. I think one of the reasons why I enjoyed it, even though it's um it's one of those, the many Star Wars films they're coming out with, right? And there's a lot of argument, like, do we did we need it? Um, I think overall, no. But I still enjoyed being a part of that universe and hearing and seeing a story of that universe. That didn't feel like I was getting batted over the head with Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Here's another Star Wars story. This was like Ocean's Eleven in space. It was actually a, a pretty decent heist flick, right? Um, with characters that we know that we're going to love, and we're getting to kind of start to see like the beginnings of their of their story. Um, there were some cool head nods, I'll, and I'll say one thing for sure: um, Donald Glover was the star of this cast like his Lando was unbelievable Han Solo I don't even know his name he was the most forgettable he wasn't bad he just was not he didn't have the swag he didn't have any of, of the the solo that we know but no one can be Harrison Ford yeah. um, but I, I will say to answer your question um, would a Star Wars fan should a Star Wars fan see this movie yeah Quit your bitching about all these movies and just enjoy yourself. Forget about it for a second. You're not a goddamn movie executive. You don't have to make the decisions for the freaking studio. Just go. Shut up. Go. Enjoy yourself for a couple of hours. It's a fun movie. Have have a good time. Treat yourself. You just triggered so many fanboys right now. Oh, shut up, fanboys. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, well, um, no, that's a, that's a good that's a good breakdown and. Um, yeah, uh, Alden Alden Enric, yeah. Enric. I, I always mess up his last name, and I feel bad because my last name starts with an E. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it, maybe he was kind of more the Luke Skywalker, where he's the Mark Hamill. Maybe not as strong as, let's say, the uh, Donald Glover. 
in this instance. I, I never, I mean, I agree. I didn't not like Donald Glover. I definitely thought he was the best actor of the, of the actor trying to be a character um, mm-hmm. of, of the, the returnable characters. Um, I don't think he ever delivered a line though, exactly the way I think Billy D would. The only time I ever actually heard was his very first line before you actually see him. Uh, when he's walking into the casino or wherever they're playing in the first game, you can hear him say one line off camera and like, Oh, like, Oh, that actually sounds like Billy D, but I never got that smoothness that Billy D delivers, but it's, it's just like, it's like Chris saying, it's hard for anyone to be, to be Han. It's not Harrison Ford. Cause I never really believed him as Han Solo. It kind of, I almost had to imagine him as another character uh, because he just was not Han Solo. I mean, he wasn't, he didn't do a bad job. I wouldn't say like, Oh, he ruined the movie, but uh, I didn't really ever believe him as Han. Hmm. I, I, I think the whole Han and Chewie part was, you know, I know, I know for some fans it may not have been as rewarding, but to me that was, I, I, it never gave me the goosebump moment that I would, would have liked. And I think that that's where it, it kind of falters and doesn't go from being a good movie to a great movie. It never, you know, when they're in the, the mall and, you know, you hear the John Williams asteroid music and, you know, those, those, that sequence when it is Han and Chewie finally in the, the Falcon, um, you know, it, it was bringing some of the feels there, but I don't know if I ever really got that, like, Ah, like I'm in a lived-in shoe, but uh, I like—I don't know—I liked the surprises that it did take, um, and in some ways, it's understated because it's the first Star Wars movie that we've gotten where it's not about the Galactic Empire taking over. I mean, it is—it's in the background, but it's not—that's not really what what's in the foreground of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no Jedi versus Sith in this. So, you know, that like the stakes are a lot lower, you know, just going from, from his humble beginnings all the way through. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about the, the, the chewy introduction? Oh, okay. Um, I mean, we could, we could go a, another way. I, no, yeah. no, I, I, cause you, you were saying Han and Chewie. So that already kind of made sense. Cause they, to me, I would argue that the Han and Chewie stuff is some of the best parts of the movie because I, I I liked even though there wasn't a lot I liked seeing Chewie because you know he's basically cut out entirely out of the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi he's got like maybe a minute screen time and I it was almost kind of like the C3PO R2D2 relationship in A New Hope in that he got a lot of lines but naturally you don't know what he's saying until Han translates for you and I liked that because uh, you actually felt like there's some kind of relationship there. Well, and there's some that you read between the lines. One of my favorite moments is when uh, it's right after the shower scene, uh, which was right. mm-hmm. you know pulled a laugh from me. Uh, but it's right after that where Chewie comes out and he actually talks to to Han, and Han says, "No, they they took they took you because of me." Right. <laughs> you have to imply that Chewie actually said, "Hey, they took you because of me," and you know, Han and Chewie were equals throughout. So I really liked that. You know, Han never treated Chewie as less. You know, I didn't even feel like the life debt was a thing. I mean, mm-hmm. if the life debt is a is an actual thing that's going to occur, I almost feel like they they both. I, I think that Disney will avoid that. 
because you know the whole that's why he's with Han. Sure. Uh, because you know they've already got rid of the slave Leia. She's no longer canon. Um, so and, it's and we got the droid uprising. Right, and we got the droid. Yeah, the droid. Actually, that was something else we should talk about too, if we can remember later on, because um, that that was something that kind of bothered me, just being an EU fan. Um, but uh, going to your original question, though, with the Chewie introduction, it was one of those scenes where I was glad they didn't do a lot of fan service. Like, there's that one line where the the stormtroopers are in the the airport or spaceport, and you hear one go like, "Move along, move along," and you're kind of like, "Okay." And then the whole mud pit fighting arena to me was a little too much like you know return of the jedi and i was rancor like, time rancor time. yeah and i was like ah, i was like please don't do that and then chewy kind of coming out i was like oh, okay but then i was like i really can't see chewy wanting to eat han but maybe but i mean i think after that after you get the establishment that he's not going to kill han and then from there on it's fine but uh, yeah how did you, how did you like the reveal that he knew how to speak wookie that was fine yeah yeah, it was it, convenient. But. Yeah, but like it was different than any other time. Right. Well, we've never seen him use. Yeah, and I was like, I thought he was like at, at first. I thought he was like joking or like just trying to mock him. And I right. was like, what? What do you? What? Wait what a minute. Wait, wait to tick off the Wookie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I will say though, the arms being ripped off—that was a, a nice little. Um, Finally got to see that head I, nod. I was right? very happy with that. And, and, and the the moment too, it wasn't just ripping the arms out. It was the the line that follows where he says like, "Hey, that I could have used that one," you know, like <laughs> yeah. that, that, that uniform. I it just uh, I liked their camaraderie. I'm not saying that I didn't, but I'm just saying that 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 that's out there. So let's hit rewind for a second. Actually, let's go back back in the movie, probably about 25, 30 minutes, and um, when Han is trying to get his way into the flight academy mm -hmm. and it's it's kind of an ellis island-esque scene yeah. when um it's revealed as to how han solo gets his name um now i'm guilty of not reading you know canon uh star wars books or uh, not really into the comics or anything so i don't know and i haven't googled this but is the way they handle it during the movie the way that goes down or has it been described like that in the past? No. Okay. So for those listening who are now spoiler free and haven't seen the movie or, or don't care about spoilers, but haven't seen the movie. So when he's in line and he's registering himself, he says, his name is Han. And he says, well, what's your last name? Who or who are your people? And uh, Han doesn't really respond. He says, I'm, I'm by myself. And the, and, and the, I have no the, that I'm on my own. I have no people. So the Imperial recruiter guy, says hmm solo eh clickety clack 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 han solo welcome blah, blah, blah. i was like ah, i i i had that was my one cringe one of the couple cringy moments oh, i yeah. had and i was just that like, was that was that was my first cringe moment i was like I, <laughs> uh, and, and i just want to point out i'm glad that we, we brought up the solo how he got his name because i just read an article about that bob Iger from disney the Disney CEO, I think it's, I think his first name is Bob. I don't know. It's Iger or something. I'm not down with the Disney. <clears throat> anyway, he greenlit this movie based on that scene. What? Yes. 
And I just have to say, okay, if Disney's going to be upset about the returns of this movie, then we need to go back to the Iger greenlighting this movie based on that scene alone, because he doesn't know <laughs> what's going on as, as far as a Star Wars fan, as far as you know, what we w actually want to see or care about. I think all of us were in agreement that we didn't want a solo movie. We, we would have no, been happy with you know, five other characters in front of Solo. We could probably find another 10. So I, I just, I feel like that is kind of a thermometer for how tone deaf Disney might actually be to what goes on with Lucasfilm. Just saying, it's kind of a weird moment because we all three did not like that moment. I know there's a lot of other probably fanboys in our age group that were like, ugh. So uh, around that time, we were also introduced into a, a new character that we haven't seen before, um, and that's Kira Khaleesi. Yeah. Khaleesi, Khaleesi Kira, <laughs> um, played by I don't even know her name. Uh, Khaleesi Amelia Clark. There you go. That's the one. Um, who is Han's love interest of their their you know den of abandoned children, um, as I was thinking of it as, um, and their whole plot was to get off the island and they get separated um now if you fast forward a bit han goes through all this big ordeals and he meets up with her later on in the movie and what <laughs> like, yeah. like that that was my second cringe moment was when he finally meets up with her who's this his his female love interest from what like two or three years ago prior all of a sudden she is like a high-ranking advisor to one of the biggest like crime syndicate bosses like how did that happen i mean i, I think the undertones there was that she was totally banging the dude but i get that but like what how, how does that actually occur how does that how does that happen that felt kind of like a cheap or lazy writing to kind yeah. of get her into the story that's what I was going to say. It felt extremely lazy writing to me. It was one of the first ones where just reanalyzing the film. Because you know, the first 20 minutes of this movie are kind of slow and clunky, but it does a one justice in that it's setting up a character motivation for Han is that like he's separated. So now it's his mission to get his ship to rescue the love of his life or, you know, or his partner, whatever you want to call it. And you're like, okay, I'm buying this. Okay, I can see it. I can see like doing him doing everything in order to get back to her. That's cool. But then, you, exactly what you're saying, Chris, like she pops up on screen and you're like, whoa. So you're basically throwing away that entire motivation for that character. And so then you're going, well, what was the whole purpose of the first 20 minutes of the film then? If you're right. going to do that, why didn't you just cut out the, you know, you could have gone in another direction. I think it sets up Han's vulnerability. And the okay. fact that, I mean, the entire, once she shows up, I mean, I was kind of like weary of her at the beginning because I was like, oh man, he's, she's going to break your heart, dude. But that didn't happen. So everything seemed to be true. Um, based on the trailers, I was already kind of expecting this time jump. The fact that they would have known each other when they were younger because of that hot rod scene at the, at the, the, with the blue, I don't know, it's not a hot rod, but whatever the, the vehicle is. To, to where we see her all kind of done up. So I was already kind of expecting a time jump with her character. Um, so that didn't take me by surprise so much. I think that, um, you know, I mean, there's so many Star Wars like, hey, these R2 this R2 unit happens to like 
have known Obi-Wan Kenobi this whole time. I mean, I don't know. There's so many like what if moments in, in Star Wars that uh, could drive you bonkers. Um, I think, I don't know. I, I liked her as a character though, because. Yeah, well, she's the safe character. The I'm safe right. character. Yeah, like, I mean, I was gonna get into this like as, a, you know, uh, as in the three women that are in this movie, you mm-hmm. have three stereotypes. You know, you have uh, her, which to me is the the damsel in distress who no longer is a damsel in distress, which is, you know, a really cool character because she was kind of vulnerable in the first 20 minutes, but then she's strong, but yet still vulnerable uh, in her own way. And then you have uh, the droid, L, and the L. L- L three. Do we have to talk about that as well? But continue. Yeah, and you have L three, who's the the super strong feminist character, who is a bit over the top at times with the getting out the message, um, which I found a little annoying. Um, but that's just me. Wow, that's surprising. Uh, yeah. Um. And then you have the other character played by Sandy Newton, who to me is a really bad character. And the fact that they wrote her as this strong, independent and interesting character. And then all of a sudden makes one of the dumbest movie mistakes. I mean, I didn't even understand. I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in a movie. Which one was that? And the fact that she died. The fact that she just like blows up the like, hey this was our big one you know like why like if they were yeah. gonna retire and like there's Any- a way out like i don't know like have her i don't know there's so many other ways that they could have killed her you know and then and then of course it would have thrown beckett's character into maybe a, a bit more of a depression where he does lean on han and he does trust han and you think okay Question. there's three against the world yeah, who, ha- who had a worse death um I, I, sandy newton's character well, she probably didn't feel it. So. Uh, or L three. L three is a droid. L three had the first death, though. Here, here's here, here's the deal. I, I was I I was I actually did pull up a couple of articles. I I read this one article. I was like, wow. I just kind of feel bad now. But you think about L three was like this, and I'm, I'm totally personifying a robot. In the second here is I apologize, but L three was this this confident like. We don't get enough respect, uh, we droids, and it was a complete. I mean, you can draw your own um, conclusions as to what the theme was when they were talking, trying to, to build L 3s character base of like of how how strong of a of a droid she is, and how she doesn't get enough respect, and how the galaxy treats them as 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 garbage because they're droids, right? And she dies. In the, mm-hmm. in the battle and the Kessel uh, on Kessel, which by the way, that was the Kessel battle. That yep. was the first scene that Ron Howard jumped in and, and started directing. Mm-hmm. FYI. Oh, which, which kind of tells a lot about the, the tone <laughs> of the story um, and the pacing of the first half. Exactly. So it's actually when it starts to get pretty decent. Um, but she, so she dies. And what's what's the you know, her you know her final wish was probably just to be respected and not be considered as like you know um, like you know a possession or uh, some low life form, and then she's doomed to live out the rest of her existence as the, the flight the, navigation of the Millennium Falcon. In the Falcon, yeah. <laughs> not to mention the weirdness of that relationship with she and Lando. Oh, yeah. I love it. That's I love what it. I was about to get to too, because like that was the that was another cringeworthy scene to me. And that, like, I 
liked Lando except for that one scene. I was like, he's a, it's a droid, okay? How, like, how, how does it work? Oh, it works. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it totally, totally makes sense in this modern. I mean, when he's caressing her and she and he she's dying in his hands, like, yeah. Think about sure. think about the last time you like accidentally destroyed your phone. It, okay. it's, that, it's that level, except an actual walking machine that does everything for you. Yeah, but Lando was totally boning that robot. Yeah, okay. that's what was weird, because like you knew in that scene when he's almost crying, you're like, this is weird. Because like C-3PO got blown into bits, and they still put him back together, and he's fine. So like to me, I'd be like, dude, it's a droid. People are looking. Like, come on. Like, you yeah. can put her back together. It's fine. Like, there's no reason why you're crying over this. Mm. But that was just me going like, why is he crying over a droid? I don't get it. <laughs> I, I totally, I totally immediately thought about how people cannot separate from their cell phones. I mean, it's a great analysis, I mean, a comparison. In the, 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 the caressing of the, of the screen and just being like, you're gone. You know, like. <laughs> I lost all my contacts. I <laughs> like all my photos from that. I, I didn't back you up to iCloud. Yeah. Right, exactly. Oh, City. Yeah. But going back to uh, the Thandie Newton's uh, death, Chris, like um, it's just because like it makes no sense. If you're a criminal, you know you're always out for yourself. You and you can see in the scene prior that her and Woody Harrelson's character clearly have a relationship. He does have some attachment, at least to that character. And it's just money when it comes down to it. No criminal is going to sacrifice themselves for money right. when they can do it do it some other time or get the get the heist some other time. So for her just to go, I've got no other way. Bye. He's like, what? Right. It was just dumb. Yeah. Okay. You should, you remind me of a couple of themes here. While we're talking about bad deaths, um, the pilot death. Oh right. Yeah. You know who that was? That's John Favreau. John Favreau. Yeah. yeah. Oh right. Um, yeah. like the pilot death was just like, dude. How many people in movies have gotten shot in the shoulder and lived more than four minutes? Yeah. It was pretty deep though. And clearly, he dude, was, he has 17 arms, whatever. He, yeah. he, come on. Um, and then, um, but which leads me for a, another discussion, too, though. So, surprises, um, as far as characters and um, how well they were done or how unwell they were done. Um, Woody Harrelson did a great job, he always did, did a great did job, a, did a great job. That character was awesome. I totally dug that character. Um, and Vision, um, what's his name? Um, Paul, Be- Paul Bettany. What do yeah. you think of him? He, I think he, for how it was written, he probably did the best he could. I think the character needed a little bit more, in my opinion. But, well, so what's what's the deal with the pulsating red scars? Yeah, that's a. I, uh, I like, that he was on drugs because as soon as he died, all of the red went. And and if you looked at his eyes, his eyes were all pink. Like he's he's been like way too much time i was i was hoping there was some dark side in him or something like i I couldn't figure out what what that was about i mean um like he was probably i mean there there were times where i was like wow this dude's this dude's pretty ba like he could have been a pretty bad villain but i think nick i think you're right i think they're missing something with him like i think that he just he he existed in two rooms (laughs) right like he he existed in his own office and he was and that was it right so i i think that he probably could have and of course the party or whatever, but like you, your introduction to the guy, like the first scene that you see of him. Yeah. It is like, Whoa, this dude's awesome. Like he just totally just takes this really bad, badass, like double bladed knife and like toasts this dude. And like, you're like, oh, okay, this guy means business. 
Um, but I just like, I, th- I think that you're, I think you're right. I think they could have done a bit more with them. I think they could have done a bit more with the, um, the antagonist side of this entire story. Absolutely. I, I think you got like, you got like, um, you know, you got like half staff essentially <laughs> from all of the bad guys in, in this yeah. movie when you had a little too much effort from the protagonist side uh, in, in, in five different directions. But yeah, um, yeah that's just my, my, my two cents. I think what you're missing, Chris, is Boba Fett riding Slave One. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So w- w- let's talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, dude, there were so many opportunities, and I'm like, it's gonna happen. They even mentioned Bosk. Like, they, they, right. they they said him by name. I'm like, oh, dude, it's going down. I'm gonna win this bet. I'm totally gonna win this bet. But lo and behold, no, there was no Boba Fett. And I was like, and, and the news that came out the week of the release that Boba right. Fett's getting his own movie. I'm like, yeah, yeah. dude, he's like a sure thing, right? He's totally going to be in this movie. And then you saw the Mandalorian armor, the background of that, that cool room. I'm like, dude, it's going to happen. It's going to be it. And I, every time I look, I'm like, where is he? Where is he? Where's the ship? Where is it? Where, was he going to come out? What's going on? No. Damn it. No. <laughs> Did you guys see the temple idol in that uh, that room? Apparently the, the idol from Raiders of the Lost Ark is in there. Oh, is it? Yeah. I did not see that. A little one of the Easter eggs. So, but uh, we, just, we just saw it the one time. So yeah, I know I have too. So, but you know, this is just based on um, what I've read. I all right, all right. Bigger elephant in the room. Okay, there's, there's a, a bigger. The there's a bigger elephant in the room. We have to talk about the phone call. Okay. I, do you want to do that now, or do you want to save it for later? Because there's a, definitely a couple other things I want. Oh, okay, go ahead. Well, like you were because you're talking about like antagonists and things like that. Like, because to me, one of the ones that really irked me was the uh, the infant's nest. Is that how you say it? In Inveness. Inveness. Yeah. yeah, because they're they're set up early on as just you know the infest. In in infest infest nest. Not because I thought it was in fee when I first. I saw thought it. it was like Inverness without the R. Yeah. Well, not everyone knows what we're talking about. Yeah, because like they're just the. The, what, we, what, they, what did they call them? Just uh, pirates, marauders. You know, they were trying to marauders, rob them yeah. or the thing. So you're like, oh, okay, that that makes sense. There's always someone that's trying to rob you while you're robbing someone else. Okay, but then at the end, when it's revealed who they are, I thought that was done extremely poorly uh, because you don't really quite grasp that they're the beginning of the rebellion, and it's just I don't. I just I, I didn't I like. Never, I never really talked. Took it as that they were the beginning of the rebellion. I, I mean, with all I've seen through Rebels and even in Revenge of the Sith and what they but said. Th- all this, that. Is, this is taking bef- place before Rebels, though. Right. No, I get that. But, you know, even with Mon Mothma and yeah. all of the deleted scenes from Revenge of the Sith, I don't know. I just, I've never, when they presented it, I wasn't like, oh, this is the beginning of the Rebels. I never, I mean, I guess, I guess I can accept that as canon now. Yeah, well, I mean, it just or at least elements of the rebellion, sure. you know, because yeah, you definitely had the political side with Mon Mothma and uh, and uh, uh, Bail Organis and things like that. But this this is what you know from that one little speech she gives of like you know these people were being taken advantage of and now we're no longer, and you're kind of like oh, and it just it was a twist in character motivations that kind of I felt was supposed to be a lot have more weight to it than it did because I yeah at that point I didn't care. I was like okay, yeah, yeah. they cheated. Yeah. <laughs> It didn't bother me, so. Yeah, I mean, it's just I will a- say that I, I will say that when they first appeared, it took me a second there because the music was kind of a giveaway. 
uh, when the Marauders first appear and they try to steal it, they bring in these this kid choral kind of sound. It's like a like a children's chorus kind of like movement to the music. I, I and thought the score like, oh, sounds like hopeful or like like dark and and hopeful at the same time. And then they brought that music at the at the end again. So it's I thought Enfis Enfis Nest E N F Y S Nest. Yeah, Enfis. Okay. And they're, I, they're I, also, I thought this was the weakest score of any Star Wars film, though. I was not impressed at all with it. Um, I, I wasn't paying attention, really. I have not had a chance to dissect the the soundtrack yet. I except for the John Williams opening, mm-hmm. and knowing that the uh, the asteroid um, asteroid field mm-hmm. um, is in is in there somewhere in the middle. Um, but uh, anyway, um, apparently that. Uh, Enfys Nest is based off of the Cloud Riders, which was some mm-hmm. 1977 Marvel uh, appearance. It was basically like issue seven, like right after. So is yeah, it? Yeah, it, look, there. it looks like that her story is going to be continued a little bit um, with a comic book that's going to be released in August of this year as well oh, okay. um, called Star Wars Beckett One. I don't know if that's a, like a working title or whatever, but um, it's a one shot that will take place prior to Solo, a Star Wars story. Um, Beckett, then. What's that? Must be about Beckett, then, if it's called Beckett. Yeah, that's what I'd do. Yeah. So. Tobias Beckett. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's talk about the phone call. Okay. So there's a, an all important phone call that kind of takes place. Should have known that this crimson, uh, what is it? Dawn, crimson dawn. Thanks. Uh, had Wolverines. Some... Sorry, I, I said it like three times in the theater. <laughs> it, had, it had something to do with uh, our our red skinned friend. So, as soon as his voice came across, though, I knew it was Maul. So, it was awesome that they they used the voice, um, but then also the body of. Um, well, the upper torso. Um, so yeah, like I was, I was kind of excited about this too because I, you guys know, I, I mentioned this back when we first started Owen Brews. I do play Star Wars: Galaxy of Heroes on my iPhone, um, and I've learned quite a bit about um, characters I did not know a lot of, like Sav Jopris um, and um, Lady Talzin, the Night Sisters, all of those guys. Um, and so I thought that it was uh, a really cool connection for me because now i get it <laughs> um but you know to, going back she makes a phone call kira calls somebody and it was revealed that it is indeed darth maul like how the hell did that happen yeah um but i was like oh God, I, I know <laughs> I, was, I was kind of pumped about that so for people who don't know what was at the end of what is it um uh episode one, episode one um phantom menace i'm trying to think of the name of the movie he gets cut in half and falls right so he's found by his brother, I believe it is. Uh, well, the way it's revealed in the Clone Wars cartoons is not... Savage doesn't... Well, yeah, you're right. Savage does find him. He seeks him out. But he's... Brings that, him to, yeah. Yeah, when they find him, he's basically this shriveled, nothing, you know, broken person who's basically gone mad from, what, 20 years of... Not even twenty suffering. years. Yeah, suffering. Yeah, and he has no legs. Uh, 
But yeah, but then yeah, he gets confident again and gets rebuilt because of his brother. And then of course, you know, I don't give too much away. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting story arc for sure. I think because those are storyline uh, through Clone Wars. Yeah, it's uh, those are all uh, Katie Lucas's storylines, which is some of the best written uh, Clone Wars episodes, in my opinion. Which is uh, George Lucas's adopted daughter. So check check my knowledge in this one. I'm not quite sure how how uh, if, if I'm 100 percent correct with this. So. He goes, gets chopped in half, gets rebuilt, blah, 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 with the Night Sister crew, Mother Talzin kind of rebuilds him to who he is. And he kind of changes from Sith to more or less the godfather of crime in the galaxy. Like, isn't he like the head of the crime syndicate, which is like the Red Crimson Dawn and yeah. um, Jabba's, Jabba's people and all those? Like, he's kind of like the head guy. Yeah, he becomes a. a... Good. <sighs> It's it's really complex, but yeah, like he, he does eventually become, yeah, he set because he, he's setting up, he's basically continuing his original mission. Like he wants to kill Kenobi, he wants to uh, get revenge on the Emperor for betraying him and not really training him properly and all things like that. And of course, and then Dooku is his new apprentice, so he doesn't like Dooku, and he needs Savage to uh, fulfill this plan and. And then, you know, things don't exactly work out, so he falls back on all these other connections that he has already established to get what he wants. I want that story. Yeah. Like, I, I, like it, 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 see, that's the movie we need. We don't need Solo. We need we need Darth Maul. Like, I want Maul. Sure, A crazy story. I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, that even though Solo, and, and this is pretty much predominantly what the, the article's, <clears throat> are right now is just how poorly it under underperformed, but I'm hoping that we can still get a continuation of some of these characters' stories throughout the next anthology movies, as we were kind of mentioning, or we were diving down that direction at the very beginning of the the uh, the podcast here, um, as far as where and how this could connect to Kenobi. Yeah. Uh, you know, it it's really exciting because you know to reunite Kenobi with Maul, you know, in a live action movie to yeah. see maybe how Maul is left on Malachor because there's a whole period of time of, of Maul's life where we don't know what happens. You know, he kind of, he appears in the Rebels show um, on Malachor and there's a whole time period that we don't know how he even got there. So, you know, my, I kind of liked Maul showing up, and then again, I kind of didn't. Um, and it wasn't, it's just more in that there's a lot of people that have not watched Clone Wars or Rebels that have no idea that Maul was alive. Sure. And so there's nothing that sets that up prior to this. And so that kind of alarmed because I definitely got a few text messages from people going, like, Wait a minute, Maul's alive? And I'm like, Yeah, he, you know, he's, right. you know, and so that bothered me, but. Going to, but I, I mean, I got over it. I didn't care ultimately. It's all part of the machine, man. Yeah, like I'm telling you, like, you want to know more? Go for it. You, you want to know more about Darth Maul? Go buy the box set of a Clone Wars to hear right. his side of the story. It's but, brilliant. Yeah, but going to the sequel, the sequel that I think could would work the best is exactly. It didn't have to be necessarily a Kenobi, like titled mm-hmm. Kenobi, uh, because you're. It, it's perfectly. You could do it perfectly intertwined. I think a Kenobi story by itself, by himself on Tatooine, would probably be a little boring. So right. you had this set up also as well at the end of Solo that him saying like, "Hey, I heard there's a job on Tatooine." 
Mm-hmm. You know that you know that Maul does go to Tatooine to face Kenobi. There's a lot of things you could do with those three characters intertwined, like interlaced with stories to build on this one great story. And that's I'd rather see that. I'd rather see one kick-ass movie than like two or three. Um, that's me. Do you think that we're gonna see Forrest Whitaker again? I don't. Oh. <laughs> I, I didn't care anything about Saul. That is like the last character I'd like to see again. Um, yet, well, I mean, isn't isn't that like the the probable story, like the connection, right, to the movies, right? So if you think about what's next, do you, don't you think that's kind of like a, an arc that would most likely be Sagarera's character? You think yeah. Sagarera's character? Yeah, I, I don't think so because I don't even know why they created him. Really, to me, he was a throwaway character in the in the Clone Wars series. Or net clone, yeah. He's in one episode of the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. and then a couple in Rebels, and then the movie. He does not age well. Uh, no, that's true. <laughs> the time you get to the movie, <laughs> but he's always this. You know, he's just a he's a zealot, uh, and that's what he's not really part of the rebellion. Uh, he is a little bit in the Clone Wars. That's not even the rebellion, though. But like, uh, and he just does his own thing. So I don't think he's really necessary to bring uh, him back. Interesting to note that his his uh, first lieutenant or what have you is makes an appearance in this movie. So that oh. that dude that's in the background with the Enfys Nest crew, that guy's in there. So, okay. Um, as well as we, we also see uh, Warwick Davis. So yeah. well, reprising, you- reprising, I guess, the role of Weasel, who was in episode one. I think someone's doing him a favor to get him a payday. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> well, you also have uh, Anthony Daniels as a as a Wookiee that yeah. looks like he came from Planet of the Apes. Yeah. I was like, what is up with that one? It's like you, they run out of budget money to make a good-looking Wookiee. I was like, he, he did. He looked like a Planet of the Apes character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a little weird. Like, I don't know if they were just saying, like, okay, these are malnourished Wookiees. They, these are the Wookiees that they abused. I mean, this is from a different tribe. Like I, I don't know, but uh, I would. But I, I loved whoever made the Chewbacca costume for this movie, though. I felt that actually looked like Chewie. Whereas yeah. in other ones I've seen, you're kind of like, that looks like a weird looking Chewie. Uh, yeah. like, like, especially like episode three Chewie or. Uh, well, episode, uh, even episode eight Chewie was, was a little bit more like salon style. We, we joked about that. This, this yeah. Chewie, he's been around, he's been in the mud and. Um, he, he doesn't use Perel. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I don't know. Uh, the ending kind of, you know, okay, so the ending has, has two parts. You know, you have this showdown uh, between Beckett and Solo. And Solo learns his fat for her, his last lesson, just to shoot first. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. Just goes to show Han always shoots first. Right. So, uh, and... And the girl leaves him, right? Or does he? Or does she protect him? Because on on first viewing, I thought that she just basically was like, "I'm bouncing," but then on second thought, I was like, you know, maybe she's doing that because she's, you know, if she if she bounced, then they would the crimson uh, dawn, i.e., Wolverines would well, still come <laughs> after them. I um I I I agree with she's protecting him because there's a couple of things that are said in the movie. Um, like Woody Harrelson saying, look, once you show your face, you're in it. You're no, you will be tied with that forever. And then that debt's on you. 
Mm-hmm. And then you have her as well saying, you know, you're not this person. You're the good guy. You know, and she has grown up a lot in those three years and become something she probably despises in herself. A prostitute. Yeah. Uh, well, not really a prostitute, but she's, yeah. I, I mean, I, I never thought of her as a prostitute, but um, but she's a lieutenant or whatever, and she's there to do bad missions for him. And Han has still got that innocence to him, you know, that was there the three years prior to the main part of the movie. And she doesn't want that to be stamped out. So I think she was doing him a solid by just leaving and not tying him to her. That's how I saw it. Mm. I I don't know how they resolve it, but I really, I do. I do want to see how I do want to see more with Solo and, and Kira and Chewie and Lando. I want to see all four of them together. <laughs> and then, like mainly just because I want to see a resolution to maybe this storyline with her and the fact that um, I don't know things go south maybe maybe this is how he becomes jaded at the beginning of a new hope because yeah. because we do see the good side in in han through this movie and and i would like to just point out that the larger character development as han as a character is that we see that he is a good guy the moment when he's leaving in a new hope makes a lot more sense when chewie's like hey what are we doing here you know like he's like i know what i'm doing you know and it makes more sense why he would come back to save the kid like I don't know, like his motivations in A New Hope make a lot more sense because of of some of the things brought to light. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. I, I took one one big takeaway after after leaving the theater. I was thinking about it. And I was like, I actually know what my Halloween costume is going to be for 2019. And that is Tropical Island Lindo. <laughs> because that shirt was awesome. The yellow one at the end, and he has he was he was styling and profiling, and I want that as my costume for next next Halloween. That was for funny. 2018. That was funny when um <clears throat> she goes in the Falcon and it's on fire and she grabs the cape to put it out. He's like, not that one. That's expensive. <laughs> it's just a designer cape or whatever he said, <laughs> custom cape. Yeah. You mentioned that shirt in the makeout scene uh, that happens in the movie. Um, in in Lando's wardrobe of all mm-hmm. places. It's funny because while they're kissing, I saw that shirt and I was like, that's a pretty, that's a pretty cool shirt. And so then when we saw it again later, I was like, yes, yes, that shirt. Speaking of shirts, I want to go ahead and mention Crazy Hank because Crazy Hank has a <laughs> phenomenal shirt out right now. And I will tell you that it is probably Crazy Hank's best shirt to date. Have you guys seen it yet? I don't think I've seen this one. I'm not sure which oh, one. Oh my goodness gracious. Um, you head over to the Jay and Jack Facebook group. Um, to, in, um amongst other things, uh, like great like a great group of people, first of all, but a lot of updates for all of our shows. But Crazy Hank is a, a t-shirt company that is affiliated with Jay and Jack. Uh, <laughs> it's, actually, it's Jack. I'm not gonna lie to you. Jack, um, Jack's loving you right now if you ever would listen to this podcast. Yeah, just so Jack's Jack's new invent uh, a new venture with uh, Crazy Hank and his new shirt with um uh, with Donald Glover on it, it's hands down the best crazy Hank shirt to date. So I'll let you guys go have a look at that and, and check it out. Um, I actually might get one. Um, great plug there, Chris. And yeah. while we're talking about all of the things that we do through Jay and Jack, I would just like to point out that you could become a patron and, uh, Oh, that is pretty cool. Pulling up right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, I, I will. I who will did, say who designed, that. Who designed um, that? I, crazy. I don't know, 
but I, I, I may or may not have been critical of a few of Crazy Hang shirts. Rightfully um, so. But this one here, this one is is pretty fantastic. Uh, if you don't want to buy a shirt, though, you can even just rate and review us on iTunes. That always helps us out. If you don't want to become a patron member for as little as a dollar or five dollars a month, um, helps out all the podcasters on the Jay and Jack Network. Uh, we do appreciate it. Helps also keep us uh, hosting these uh, podcasts. So. Uh, if you like Nick, Chris, and I, we are on the Ramblecast. So if you haven't checked that out, you should uh, head over to the Ramblecast. If you, that's basically where we talk about everything other than Star Wars, and sometimes Star Wars. But we try to keep it to Owen and Bruce for that, right? Right. Um. All right. Well, um, we we can we can talk a little bit more Star Wars before we wrap it up and, and thank our patrons, right? Yeah. Because I've got I've got some more nit nitpicking. All right, hey, hey, I, don't, <laughs> I don't want to cut the the listeners short of your nitpick. Yeah. There's still there's still some lots of stuff to talk about. We didn't even cover most of the movie yet. Uh, so little things like they made a big deal about the dice in the Last Jedi, but yet the dice are in this too. But yet there's still no reason for the dice. It's like you know he just has them on the the, the rearview mirror in the very beginning. And then he carries them around with him. So we don't know why they're important to him. They're just, we just know that they're lucky. Did I miss something? No, I mean, was there supposed to be something more? Like, I just don't get it. Like, why have this in, you know, this random object have some kind of meaning if you're not going to tell us the meaning behind the object? Tune into Solo 2, where we get to see Han as a baby delivered on the doorsteps of an orphanage with just these two gang- dangling dice. See, there you go. That could have been the first 20 minutes of this movie and you wouldn't have had me complaining about it. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> okay. If only yeah. we didn't have lazy writers. We, we needed Matt. <laughs> <laughs> That's my little addendum. Okay. You'll find that in the deleted scenes. One of the deleted scenes I hope that we see, uh, I read an article about it. It's basically, te- te- is it Tag and Bink? I never read it. They were uh, uh, featured as as part as part of the Dark Horse comic line, but they were basically these two bumbling Imperial officers that were in all of the events of the original Star Wars trilogy. Tag Tags and Bink were here, I believe. Yeah. It's kind of a play on uh, uh, Gil, uh, what is it, Gildenstein and Rosencrantz, right? Is that what it is? I'm trying to think of the Hamlet characters. Anyway, they were supposed to have a little bit of a cameo in this movie. Um, as officers that I think take Han Solo away after he's basically flunked at, or kicked out of Flight Academy. Apparently there was supposed to be like a little eight, 80 second montage. It was the last little bit that was edited out of the movie, but we were supposed to see kind of supposed to fill in a little bit of that three years while he was in the Imperial Academy. We were supposed to see him flunking out of flight school. Or, or basically getting disbarred and stuff. I like. would have actually liked to have seen that too, like him actually in flight school. I was surprised they cut that out or didn't write it in it at all. I wanted to see Han flying a TIE fighter. Yeah, it would have been cool. Yeah. Um, oh, going back to- I would like to have seen him in his Imperial garb too and not just this mud trooper outfit. Yeah, well, that was cool. I like the mud troopers. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. A war, World War One scene in the middle of a Star Wars film. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to the dice though, and a, kind of a joke. So, spl- so like, so now we've got that origin with him being the orphan left with the dice. So, splice in space balls, 
Okay. Where all of a sudden, you know, Leia Le and him are getting married, and they're like, "Oh, you can't, because she's a princess." And he's like, "See these dice? It means that I'm a certified prince." <laughs> there you go. That's full, good. Full like circle. It. Full circle connects it all together. <laughs> so, another thing I found entertaining but slightly disappointing um, was the re. Uh, doing of the action scenes with the Falcon. Um, I, cause like you have uh, the, the TIE fighter chase scene, which is very a new hope. You have the asteroid field, which is very empire strikes back. Uh, and then even the creature in the, whatever it's called thing, the mall, yeah. the mall is the- also an empire strikes back. So the, you know, the worm and the asteroids, this thing, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I mean, I thought it was entertaining, but I was kind of like, oh, like it's kind of felt the same as scenes we've already seen before. And then, you know, to make a big deal about the escape pod and the toys and everything else of like, oh, this is the way the Falcon really looked, you know, with this thing on the front, I really thought they were going to show why that was important or what happened. And then just to have it just shoot off. And then that's it. You're kind of like, that's it. Okay. But that's just me nitpicking, but that's just me kind of going like, oh, I really thought that was going to be at least see what it was, you know, we didn't, cause we didn't even see what it was within the ship. It was just that on the front of the ship and they shot it off and that's it. Yeah. I, knowing Lando, I think it's a pretty elaborate uh, escape pod. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly it's a lot larger than that little coffin. That, that's uh, his love right? den. What's that? That was his love den that they shot off. Right. <laughs> well, you've seen James Bond movies. That's, you that's know where, how they that's end. Where, that's where the Hennessy and the cognac was, you know, and all the oils. Yeah. And, and L3. Uh, L three, yeah, it's all it's all the L three oils. You're like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's this oil mask gonna feel so good, <laughs> so weird, so weird. I like that. I like that as a product. So yeah. the oil, you know, and uh, that little quote by C three PO Selton. Uh, yeah. <laughs> another crazy Hank T shirt coming. I can see it. Mm-hmm. All right, I have I have a question. Go for it, Han or Solo. A Star Wars story. Last Jedi. Oh, is this just me? I already kind of said it earlier. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I don't like the Force Awakens or Last Jedi at all. I'm sorry. I, I, I meant I meant Force Awakens. Sorry, I meant Force Awakens. Oh, okay. You're oh. Though I mean, to me, the way it goes is still Rogue One is the best of the Disney films, which I know a lot of people don't like Rogue One, but I do. I loved it. Yeah. Um, and then Solo. God, it's so I, I really do not like either one. Because uh, I don't like The Force Awakens because of just it's a re it's a copy of A New Hope. But I do like the way it's shot and the music and the feeling of the film. Um and with Last Jedi, I was extremely entertained with it, but a lot of it is a slap in the face of just dumbness. So I don't like either one. I'm sorry, everyone out there who likes those. Two. So what you're saying is Solo is better than both. In my opinion, it is, but it's still, it's still not a great film. It's just it's not a bad film. Huh. Okay. i i have a I have a hard time ranking it against the saga movies. Like in some ways, it's kind of like, and I and I don't know why I separate them out that way, but uh, I like it. I don't know. Ask me again in a year, but so far I like it better than Rogue One. I think Rogue One is the most Star Wars-y 
between absolutely is like i mean the way that it ends it like just leads you right into a new hope and that that feeling that i get when i watch the scarif battle scene is star wars runes through and it yeah it's so awesome absolutely and I, and I would say that Solo doesn't leave, it doesn't make me feel that way when I leave the theater. And maybe that's why it doesn't have that like, like oh, well, overwhelming, like, yeah, like this is Star Wars. However, I like the nuance of Solo and I'm hoping that it's there still. And I'm hoping that it, it doesn't become too much of a drag when I watch those, the first heist. Right, right. The first heist, and everything with Val dying, like I could see that being like a little redundant on rewatch. Okay. My my issue is so like no, I didn't rank them for you, Chris. Sorry. No, that's fine. That's fine. You know, with Rogue One, they basically said, "Okay, we want to show how they get the Death Star plans, and then lead it into a New Hope." So they knew they had the last twenty minutes of the film, and then they wrote from there to the beginning of the film. This one, to me, felt a lot more of that. In that, okay, we want to show. How Lando, I mean, how Han gets the Falcon. We want to show the Kessel run. We want to show uh, like other things that how how's Han meet Chewie, things like that. And so they kind of wrote to those scenes. And so that's why I think it, it's got a really weird rhythm to it that it doesn't feel like Star Wars. And that I had two directors. Yeah, and two directors, yes. And you know, I mean, Amelia Clark has said that. Uh, of course, I'm probably sure she had to, but like she said that Ron Howard saved this movie. Um, which I don't see how an actor would know because they're not there in the editing room. But uh, I'll just take her word for it. Because I mean, like I said, it's, it's, I don't hate the film. Maybe you just be Ron Howard stepping in and like being a, hey, I've been here before. I know how to handle a big budget movie. Mm-hmm. Willow. Yeah. I mean, he could have just been like the parent in the room that's able to get get the kids to bed on time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, um, I don't know. I, I would like to see how it how it stands up over time. But uh, right now, I'm enjoying it more than Rogue One, um, and I and the Last Jedi, I'm still enjoying it. But the more on the rewatches, the more I wish I could fix the whole Canto Blight. Oh, it should have, it should never mm-hmm. been put in. In my opinion, I wish, I wish it, I wish that whole sequence could have been something different. Like they could have gone to this to the they could have just tried on their own to get that ship. Uh oh, that's the timer. We're almost out of time for this podcast. You got any last thoughts on this movie? Last question. I have a question. Okay. The 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 movie's getting a lot of criticism right now. Um, tired writing um, is one of the is one of the quotes. Um, people are, obviously the box office results are terrible. It's actually performing worse than Justice League. <laughs> um, really? Wow. Yeah. They're really successful as a heist movie, apparently. Yeah. So my question to you guys is this, is the criticism that the media is giving it and the, and the lack of, of, of uh, people going to see it justified or not? It is. Hmm. Uh, one, you have a, you have a, a large fanboy base that boycotted this film mm-hmm. um, because of the last Jedi. So that automatically hurt it. And then no one said, put out another star Wars film five months later after the last one. Um, well, and nobody said and nobody wanted a solo movie. Yeah, no one wanted a solo movie. Yeah, the There's only movie critic that I who said, "Yeah, that sounds like a great idea." That's funny how he gets his name. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, I just have to bring that point yeah. up. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'll say this: is that like I I actually feel like it's getting kind of unjustly criticized. Yes, nobody wanted to have a solo movie because of the, of the fanboy base that you're referring to, Nick. Right, but like. 
after seeing it, and granted, we, we, we talked a lot about the things we like. We talked a lot. We criticized quite a bit today, but none of the criticisms from today um, about Solo were really terrible criticisms. Just little tweaks here and there and in, in oddities. But at the end of the day, after seeing it, after talking about it finally to, to you guys and reading um, a little bit inside here as, as we're having these discussions, at, at the end of the day, I still like the movie. Yeah, and I, and I and and I I don't regret seeing it, and I wish more people would see it because I, at the end of the day, I think it's actually a fun movie to watch. Um, and for people who love Star Wars as much as I do, I mean, I love Star Wars. I'm not a crazy fanboy that's going to be that's out there boycotting for boycotting sake. Like, dude, get a job. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, figure it out. Get out of your 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 parents' basement. Why are you boycotting? something about the universe that you absolutely love anyways. And, and for once, all of these fanboys can be just rest assured that there is a male at the center of the story. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You soon? Maybe. Oh, um, but like, oh, man, like get over it. Yeah. It, it, just get over it and, and, and let yourself have fun. Like let yourself get kind of lost in the, in, in, I saw in, in, mark up. yeah, go for it, Nick. No, no, I, I just remembered a point that I was going to make way earlier ago that finally hit me again. Um, and it was about uh, Matt's comment about the uh, droid rebellion, you know, and, and with uh, L3. Because the way I always remember it, and I'm not sure where I read this, because there's so much EU that happened growing up, sure. was that, you know, because that's that famous line in A New Hope where, you know, we don't serve their kind here, you mm -hmm. know. And there's always two reasons for that is that one, they're on Tatooine, a desert planet that has very little, you know, uh, industries cause it's a desert planet. And so a lot of these people are being replaced by droids for their jobs and they didn't like droids for that reason. And then two was that there actually was a droid rebellion. Uh, and so they don't like droids cause a lot of droids killed their friends and things like that. And, this kind of felt odd to me that L3 had such a dominant personality because I don't know if they're going to ever address this or not. Like, why is she this way? Is there truly artificial intelligence now in these droids? Because I can't see someone programming her to be that way. Well, he said that, like, he didn't want to wipe her memory because of, like... Well, after the navigation charts, when she yeah. was just using her for sex and, and her charts. Well, I'm sure that made him go a little crazy, or her a little crazy, too. Uh, Chris, I, I didn't get your, uh, like, how do you rank it? Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. I was just curious. That, that's a really great question. So um, if we're, we're ranking the Disney side of things, right? So um, I'm going to go ahead and say that my ranking so far, like, I, and Nick knows this, and, we're, and we don't have to have a debate about this. I love The Force Awakens. Like, I, like that was for me was like one of the times where he were, were getting Star Wars again. Yeah. And granted, I, I bet you a lot of that emotion probably kind of overplayed the the, the movie and the and the quality of of the storyline and everything for me a bit because that's so invested in it. Um, so I will say that I loved. Oh man, this is tough because I also I really loved um, Rogue One. I, I think Rogue One is is probably. Um. I'll say this. Rogue One is the best of the Disney movies, in my opinion. Um, mm. I loved Force Awakens and, and, and Last Jedi. Um, but I know that Rogue One was a better movie than both of them, in my opinion. Um, and I liked 
Han Solo quite a bit. So I think Solo um, Solo probably ranks last of the Disney movies for me. Um, but that's still a high honor. Like <laughs> it's 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 still yard uh, miles and 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 parsecs uh, above of the uh, episodes one through three, in my opinion. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say probably um, Four Awakens slash Rogue One, um, followed up by uh, Last Jedi, and then Han, uh, Solo Star Wars a Star Wars story. Speaking of parsecs. Um... What did you guys think of that? Like, is that how you envisioned the Kessel run? That he cheated? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, no, it's just because, like, it, it, to me, sometimes, it, sometimes it's it, it's better to not know, you know, because, like, I didn't hate it, but it's... it's, it's, it's they solved a, a whole dilemma about the parsec and what it was, because yeah. it was always like, is it time? Is it speed? Was, right. he, was he traveling, you know, or was it... And there, there's a lot of debate in the, the whole expanded universe as to how to settle what a parsec is. So... In, in many ways, they they just basically they turned it into a, a matter of distance, and so the distance between um, through the the distance was twenty five parsecs, right? So so that was a distance, and he cut off the distance by basically going through that right field, breaking away from that. Which I actually, in, Nick, you bring up a good question, like how, how how they handled it. Like that's not how I pictured it. Yeah, right. right? Not how I picture it at all. Um. However, I I, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I I kind of like how they like how that. they they visualized the the path right, and that how it they had to travel through that whatever thing that I mean the I'm clouds not, the, the cloud the, thing and, and how that was set up. I thought it was kind of cool. The the maw is actually uh, something that is in the EU books as well. It's in the I think Jedi Search, the uh, first of the Jedi Academy books. And it brings up this this giant kind of black hole swirling nebula uh, that is in in front of Kessel, and it kind of is is basically what impairs them getting there. So so that part like still there's like still this connective tissue that uh, Disney's keeping with uh, some of this expanded universe. Yeah, they do their homework. So one other one other thing they also answered, which we didn't bring up surprisingly, which I thought was cool um, because I always said. Han, right? Because Lando calls him Han or Han. Sorry, Han. And the fact that you know he does, he calls him Han, and he's like, "It's Han, by the way." He's like, "Yeah, that's good." (laughs) Little subtle jokes like that. I always liked that. That that was strong because that was something that I think that that the old, we'll call us the old timer Star Wars fans would have just been like, "Oh yeah, yeah." We've all heard him call him Han. No chance to save Han. And we're like, wait, isn't he Han? 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 Not Han? Anyway. The, the latest meme I've seen that I thought was funny was, uh, was a picture of Leia. And it said, uh, saying it's a trap before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Nice. Well, uh, we have talked almost, I think, about an hour. Uh, I was trying to, to keep oh, at I, about an hour. We uh, covered a lot. I'm sure there's some things that we forgot, but. I'm sure there's some things we forgot. We we have hopes of doing a part two, so uh, oh, we're yeah, gonna keep our, our fingers crossed and hope that uh, we can make the uh, Kessel Run. Hey, again. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> are you are you impersonating somebody that that yeah might might be yep, on that? That's Jay. Okay. 
Well, hopefully, hopefully Jay and maybe Colleen could join us both for a part two review of Solo. That'd be cool. Keep our fingers crossed. And uh, we're going to put those lucky dice around Nick's neck. Uh, at this point, I'd like to thank some special patrons that make this show and all of the shows on the Jay and Jack podcast possible. Let me see if I can remember all, all of them. We've got Tack from Tokyo, uh, Eckhart Richter, uh, Molly the Millennial, Ed, the letter carrier, and uh, Maggie, the Magnificent. That's all five of them. And we we really appreciate everything that they do, everything that uh, uh, the fans can do. If you have any feedback for us, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll talk, we'll be talking solo again. And or comments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How, what, what, what are your thoughts? What are your, your thoughts on the movie? Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. You, you let, let us know. You, know, like, you came up with the, the greatest email of all time. Yeah, drop us an email and you can do that. You can reach uh, Owen and Bruce podcast at the force is well done at gmail.com. Once again, that is the force is well done at gmail.com. That is the email address and contact point for everything Owen and Bruce barbecue. Great. Yeah. And um, join us again next time. We'll, I'm sure we'll be recording again very soon. So, and any last, any last thoughts, Nick? You want to lead it this way? No. I think, I think I've said everything I need to say. Unless oh. you guys just bring up something. No, I just thought you were going to say that this was a great show and it was one in a million. No, that's your line. <laughs> <laughs> All the haters out there, grow up. Get out of your parents' basement. Stop boycotting something stupid. Boycott something real and enjoy yourself with Solo. A I Star want, Wars I want to know what Anakin Skywalker would think about Solo. You know, was yeah. it, Does he feel, is it better than sand? You know. Great show, guys. <laughs> One in a million. Don't get cocky, and Maul should have never lit that lightsaber. It was dumb. All right. Was that you?